Genesis chapter number 3. The Lord's help, I want to preach a message that I've entitled, His Day Will Come. I want to be a blessing and, uh, and get out of the way so we can hear the next preacher. And I love Brother Cooper, been able to preach with him a few different places. And uh, thank the Lord for him and his testimony. And uh, younger men like us still standing. I'm, I'm glad he includes me in that list, you know. I'm going to be 40 next year. And uh, I'm a little older than Brother Cooper, but I'm glad that I get associated with that, that age. I, I feel like I'm turning 80, so you pray for me. But uh, nonetheless, Genesis chapter number 3, and it will begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. said unto the woman, Yea, if God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees but uh, of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat, a, eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the women saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And uh, I preached a sermon not too long ago from that. It's just reminding me, uh, uh, you know, fig leaf religion. I talked about uh, how they sewed these leaves together and they made fig kinis and they were still naked. I preached a whole sermon on fig kinis. And uh, you're still naked. You need a coat of skins, praise God. But uh, look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. And he said, and this is the Lord speaking here, Who has told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree which I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman which thou gavest to be with me, she gave me the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust, uh, and dust that shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for loving me. I thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to preach. I need thee every hour, but especially now. I pray, dear Lord, that uh, it won't just be a demonstration of the flesh, but Father, that we'll see demonstration of power from the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll move in our hearts. Dear Lord, I feel you laid this uh, on my heart, so you're gonna use it today in the hearts of some people. I do pray, Lord, you'll go row by row, person by person, and speak to the hearts of people. Thank you, dear Lord, for the hospitality of this church, everything that's gone into this meeting. What a blessing these people are, and I pray that you'll bless them because of it, especially those who are behind the scenes, that none of us will know what they've done to make this day possible, this week possible. Please bless them in a supernatural way. We love you, Lord. Thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2013... My wife's grandfather, his name is Otto Corsini, he got a knock on his door on that day. He came to the door, and in front of him uh, stood men dressed in army apparel from the United States Army. And they said to Grandpa Corsini, they said, Sir, are you Otto Dominic Corsini? And he said, a little short Italian man, he goes, Yes, I am. You know, they're in Las Vegas, Nevada. And they said, sir, do you know a man by the name of Victor Corsini? And he goes, yes, that's my brother. And they said, well, sir, they were doing some work there in France and, uh, and, and, and renovating a part of town that was a war-stricken town uh, uh, there during World War II. And while they were doing that, they lifted up a wall that had 
fallen over. And when they lifted up that wall, underneath that wall were the remains of your brother fully intact. And they handed him his dog tags and other uh, information. And they said, sir, we found the remains of your brother. They said, we'd like to do a funeral for him, a full-blown military funeral. And uh, would that be all right? And he said, sure, that'd be fine. And they said, well, can we invite the news crews to come and film the whole thing and make a big to-do? And he said, no, I just want it to be private. And they respected that, and I'm thankful for that. And so they had a private ceremony there, a funeral service for him. Friend, that was in 2013. He died in 1953. Sixty years had passed, but he finally had his day. Here in our scripture that we read tonight, Satan had succeeded in his plan to ruin the human race. He had gotten uh, Eve to be deceived and take of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then she gave unto her husband, and he willingly took of it. Remember now, Eve was deceived. It was the husband who had heard the voice of God. God had said to Adam, you better not eat this. Eve had only heard it by way of her husband, and now she's being uh, taken into the circumstance where she's hearing the word of another versus another, but Adam heard from God. That's why as in Adam all die. There's a difference between being deceived and committing sin. And so Adam took of that fruit thereof. And, and Satan thought at that point he had ruined all of humanity. Uh, he had caused enmity between God and the human seed. He had brought death upon all mankind for that at this point forward all man would sin. On this day he absolutely broke the heart of God. God's crowning creation. His children. Listen, friend, we're, we're not animals. We're God's crowning creation. And, God, and on that, that day, uh, Adam had, had taken God's crowning creation and he got him to sin. And, and the, the devil had got Adam to sin on that day. And friend, he broke the heart of God. But in our text here, God is basically saying, you got me. You hurt me. But I want you to know something, old boy. My day's coming. You got me today, but one day my day is coming. I will have my day. It might not be today, but I will have my day. I want you to quickly turn with me, please, to the book of Luke in chapter number 2. Uh, go to Luke chapter number 2. Very familiar portion of scripture as we come across, uh, close to uh, Christmas time in Luke in chapter number 2. Look with me, if you would, please, at verse number 7. Luke 2, 7, the Bible says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, <clears throat> for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. <clears throat> which shall beat all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The Lord said to the devil that day in Genesis chapter number three, he said, all right, old boy, you got me. You got me today. You got my creation to sin. You took my crowning creation and you brought sin upon him and therefore upon all mankind from this day forward. 
forward, but listen, one day, my day is going to come. And so here you have uh, the, the, the incarnation of Christ in verse 12, and this shall be a sign. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Here we are 4,000 years later. 4,000 years later, the Lord says, uh, the father looks at his son, and he says, all right, son, Now's the time. And the Lord Jesus Christ came down and he was born of a virgin. And I want you to notice in verse number 13, the Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. You see what's happened here. 4,000 years they've been in heaven. 4,000 years they've been saying, oh Lord, one of these days, one of these days. And finally it happened. The father said to the son, go on, son. Go down there. Go die for mankind. The Lord Jesus Christ went down and the angels of God had been waiting for this day for a while. And so they tried to contain it. They tried to stay calm, but they couldn't. It said, and suddenly there was with the angel of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth and peace and goodwill toward men. God's salvation plan was now set in motion and the angels were saying oh glory to God. People are going to be able to be saved. Glory to God. The blood's going to be shed. Glory to God. He's going to sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat. They couldn't hold it any longer. The angels were sitting there and you could almost see him like can we do it can we do it can oh glory and then christians sit in church and we're the ones who got redeemed and we're like well go on bless me i dare you I say, come on now, friend. When are we going to say glory to God in the highest? I'm free from the guilt that I carried. I'm free from the fear of the past. Praise God, the shackles are broken. If anybody has a reason to shout this morning, it's we Christians. But let me tell you something. God has a few more big days planned. He said to that old devil, you got me. My day's coming. But can I tell you just this morning about a couple more days? Why don't you turn your Bible, if you would, to Malachi chapter number three. You say Malachi chapter number three, and all God's people say, oh, oh boy. You know, it's, there's other things in there other than tithing, preachers. Malachi chapter number three. You can almost hear it in your churches, don't you, preacher? You say, turn to Malachi three, and you hear, ugh. Malachi chapter number three. Look with me, if you would. Verse number 17. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I, wait, when I make up my jewels. Ooh, hold on now. When I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son uh, that serveth him. Uh, can I interrupt my message for a minute because I see something I want to talk about. He says, when I make up my jewels. Well, let me get to that. When I make up my jewels, you know who the jewels are? Oh, friend, that's me. Yeah. 
That's you. Can you imagine? God says there's going to come a day. Uh, devil, you had your day, but there's coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day. He said you had your day, but one of these days I got another day coming. I'm going to make up my jewels. Isn't that something? God says you are a jewel. Friend, there's a whole sermon there. You're a jewel to God. Listen, I'm as fundamental as the next guy, but I'll also like to remind you God does love us. Hey, man, we're jewels to him. Think of it. I remember a time in my life when, friend, I was, here I was in a teen group, and I was the star of the teen group in my church. Nobody knew that when I went home, I went home to a dad who made fun of church and God every single Sunday. That's all I heard all the time. Well, you went to worship your God today, huh? How did that work out for you? Ha, 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 and all this stuff. But I was faithful in the teen group, and I was honestly just seeking the approval of a man in my life because everything I did, my stepdad just made fun of. And so I would go soul winning because I wanted the preacher to come put his arm around me and tell me he was proud of me. I mean, I sang in the teen trio, and we traveled all over the state of Florida singing revivals because I wanted my youth director to say, I love you, man. I'm proud of you. And I was seeking that approval from man, and, uh, and that's what I lived for. I wasn't doing it for God. I was doing it for man. And so although on the outside, I looked like I was a good Christian, I played the part, man. I was bringing adults into church and walking them down the aisle, man. I, I looked the part, but it wasn't on the inside, man. It was dead men's bones. I wasn't doing it for my Savior. But then one day, I got backslidden pretty bad. My preacher said to me, he said, look, he said, uh, I, I, can't, I can't be your pastor anymore, you know, and... Uh, Turned his back on me. Imagine that. And uh, I was a bad boy. I probably deserved it, you know. And uh, they sent me, of all places, to Landmark Baptist College. I said, man, I should have went to rehab, not Landmark, you know. I guess that is kind of rehab for some of those boys, you know. I don't know if they have bad looks rehab, but some of them do. So there I was, you know, backsliddenness can be, depressed, dropped out of there, you know, lived the next three years of my life wasted. Drinking, smoking, doing all kinds of stupid stuff, you know, wasting my life, wanting to die, wanting to die. Be honest with you, I thought that my ability to serve God was gone. I would never be able to serve God again. I ruined my life. And so there I was, young man, working at my uncle's sign company. I'd go up really high, and they would all say, no, you have to wear a safety harness. I said, I don't want a safety harness. I'd go up 80 feet in the air. I didn't care. You know, I, I wanted to fall, you know. I just wanted to die, depressed as could be. But I had a grandma, and she said, and in our family, you know, you got, you got people in your family that uh, are real special. And in our family, grandma was the matriarch, man. If grandma, it's, it, we, we, I, I almost thought we were Navajos, Brother Chitty. You know, grandma was the matriarch. She, she didn't live in a Hogan, but she, uh, almost, so we had no air condition there. But, uh, but nonetheless, uh, there we were, you know, she said to me, she said, Larry, she said, um, I I'm at a place now I can't drive myself to church. I'm the piano player. And she said, I want you to drive me. She knew what she was doing. She, she did that on purpose. And she knew I couldn't say no. And so I said, all right, Grandma. And she said, now, Larry, I go every time the doors are open. 
And I said, okay, Grandma. And so I made sure, I mean, there were some Sunday mornings, man, my eyes were bloodshot, and I was like, head was throbbing. I'm like, okay, Grandma, are you ready? You know, and take, but you got to take Grandma to church. And I just made sure I did. And that preacher, man, her preacher, he wasn't like a great preacher, uh, you know, necessarily as some people would say, man, what a great preacher, you know, but faithful, faithful. And he said to me, he said one day, and I, I would wear a suit to church because, you know, I had enough sense to know you go to church, you get dressed up. I mean, I was saved. I just was living like the devil, you know. And so, uh, so he said to me, he goes, hey, Brother Hobbs, he said, uh, why don't you pray about preaching for me? And I'm like, no. I said, brother, I said, no, 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 thank you. But uh, I said, no, thank you. I said, uh, I'll do whatever you need, man. I said, you want someone to cut the grass? I'll cut the grass. I said, but you don't, you don't want me preaching. And he said, okay. And then a few months later, you know, he comes to me and goes, hey, Brother Hobbs, he said, you ready to preach for me yet? And I say, Pastor Pelfrey, I said, listen to me. I said, I, I appreciate that. I said, I know I wear a suit and everything, but uh, and I'm not going to tell him how I'm living. I mean, it's not like we air out our laundry or nothing, but I'm like, no, no, trust me. You, you don't want me to preach. I'll, I'll mow your grass. I'll do whatever you need, you know? A few months later, you ready to preach for me yet? And I'm like, leave me alone, you know? And then I said, Brother Pelfrey, I said, thank you, but no. And he kept doing this. Every couple of months, he'd come to me and say, now you're ready. Now you're ready. Now are you ready? Are you ready yet? And then, and then finally, uh, I, said, I said, man, would this guy just leave me alone? And I said to him, I said, I tell you what. I said, I'll pray about it. Now, let me explain something. I hadn't prayed in a long time because I knew enough Bible, grew up in church, I knew enough Bible to know that if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. My prayers have bounced off the tent roof. I knew that much. And so I hadn't prayed in a long, long time. And, uh, and so I said, I mean, how, how are you going to live like the devil and then say, God, and please bless my mommy? You know, it doesn't work that way. And, uh, and so I said to him, I tell you what, I'll pray about it. Well, because grandma was the piano player, I naturally had keys to the place to let her in and everything. And so I went home from church that night, and I came, <laughs> I, came, I came back to church, and I opened up that door. Everybody was gone, and I locked the door behind me, and I turned on the lights, and I looked down at that altar. And I hadn't been there in a long time. And I looked down at that altar, and I said, God... And I stood there, oh man, did I stand at the back of that church for so long staring at that altar. And, uh, and then I took one step, and then I took another step, and another step, and there I was all alone. Only person in that room was me and the Holy Ghost of God. There was no preacher. There was no Bible. It was just me and God. And, uh, and I started coming a little bit further and a little bit further. Next thing I knew, I was at that altar. Man, I was weeping and crying, and I just started telling God all the things that I've been doing in my life and saying, I'm so sorry, God, I've, I've ruined your name, God. And I apologize and ask him to forgive me. And I said to God, I said, God, uh, I, I thought you were through with me. And I know we're not supposed to say we hear audible voices, so I'm going to say I didn't hear an audible voice to make you happy. But God said to me that day, he said, son, I'm not through with you yet. And I said, well, God, if you're not through with me, then I'll not be through with you. And I gave my life to the Lord that night. And I tell you what, after a little bit, I started getting rid of sins. Some sins that get a hold of you, don't they? And I got rid of one and then another and then another. And then one day that preacher said to me, he said, hey, you ready to preach for me yet? And I thought about it and I said, you know what, maybe I can. And I, I got up there and I preached, you know. And then he got sick and within a couple months he passed away. I was the interim pastor of the church, just backslidden two months earlier. And now here I am pastoring a church. I mean to tell you. And then 
haven't really stopped. I just kept preaching since then. You know, one of these days I'll get educated. But, uh, but nonetheless, you know, I had a good time. And, and you say, well, what are you saying? I'm saying that God uh, looked at me, just a boy who grew up in a home of a drug dealer, abused his whole life, and then got all backslidden and, and living like the devil. And God said, look, you turned your back on me, but I've not turned my back on you. Maybe you've stopped loving me, but I've never stopped loving you. And if you just turn around and start to head home, what you'll find is a father who's there with his arms wide open and a coat and a ring. And he says, yes, you can serve me again. Yes, you can live for me again. I'll enable you. I'll take the years that the canker worm hath eaten and I'll restore them to you. Oh, praise God. After that, I went to people I work with that I used to party with and I started leading them to Christ one after another, man. And then before long, I'm working at a marketing company and before long, they all started calling me Rev and Preacher, you know. I thank God for that. I said, you make fun of me. I thank God. You say, why? You may call me those names to make fun of me, but they're badges of honor to me, man, because I'm a jewel of God. Where is jewel? That's what he said. One of these days, he's going to make up his jewels. Friend, oh, let me show you this again. Malachi 3.17, in that day when I make up my jewels, I just want to say this. I know I'm going to run out of time if I do, but I have to do it. He says, and I will spare them. Please underline that in your Bible. You got people coming into your church, and they're saying, oh, y'all pre-tribulationalists, you know, Come on now, uh, that, that, that's, that, somebody told me that's, that's a dream that a little girl had, and that's where that comes from, that doctrine of pre-tribulationalism that you guys believe. And I said, excuse me, I get that doctrine from my Bible. Listen, friend, God's coming to make up his jewels, and he's going to take me out of here. Oh, you ought to take the time to read 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and you'll find out that in order for the tribulation to begin, the Antichrist must be revealed. And in order for the Antichrist to be re revealed, then he whom letteth, the Bible says, look up that word letteth, you'll find out it means hindereth. He who is hindering the Antichrist from coming has to be taken out of here, and he'll be taken out of here when I'm a taken out of here at the rapture of the church and it's garbage about oh oh let me are we allowed to say names you got Stephen Andersonites coming into your church telling your people oh you're gonna have to endure the tribulation and then he's getting up and telling people uh, this is what they believe listen gays can't be saved I heard him on an interview they said well what should homosexuals do and, and he, on an interview he said they ought to take a gun and put a bullet in their brain and I said, friend, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 9 through 11, uh, that uh, the fornicators and adulterers and abusers of themselves with mankind and effeminate. It talks about homosexuals there. And then it says of that church at Corinth, and such were some of you, uh, some of you in that church, some of the people in the church at Corinth were homosexuals. In fact, look up that word of effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind, and you'll find out it has to do with little boy sex slaves and he says such were some of you and he says but you are washed and you're sanctified and just don't you come in my church uh, telling me uh, that no some people can't be saved uh, listen friend uh, the blood of Jesus is stronger it's greater than all the sins of all the world hey anyone can be saved 
Praise God. And then this whole thing of replacement theology he's bringing into your church. Oh, well, the Israel has replaced, uh, you know, the, the, the Christians. We have replaced Israel, and, and, uh, and we have no use for the Israelites. And then they, they poke fun. Friend, I will bless them that bless thee. That's still there, you know. That doctrine of having nothing to do with the Israelites, that's end times doctrine. Because one of these days, friend, the whole world's going to converge on Israel. I don't, I don't hate Israel. I thank God. We, hey, we're, we're America because of what we've done for Israel. God's blessed us because of that. I just want to remind you, you're a jewel. Satan may trip us up today, but there's coming a day when he'll never be able to trip us up again. Let me show you another day real quickly. Isaiah chapter number two. Would you turn there with me quickly, quickly, quickly? Isaiah in chapter number two. Man, if they would have told me preaching was this much fun, I'd have got right with God a long time ago. Isaiah chapter number two. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 11. Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 11. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. Notice that. The lofty looks of men shall be humbled. Don't you know that one day every knee shall bow? The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted. And notice this word, in that day. He said, devil, you got me, all right, but I got some days, man. I got some other days, and there's another day coming, and we see the day of his jewels, and I'm so glad God's coming for me, and he's taking me out of here before the tribulation period, but on that day, though, it's the day of God's justice, the day of his justice. I want you to look, if you would, at chapter 4 and verse number 2, because this one's my favorite. Over and over, you'll see in that day, in that day, in that day, all over the book of Isaiah. In fact, you'll find it 44 times, but in chapter number 4 and verse number 2, this is my favorite. It says, in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. He said that day he's going to be beautiful. You say who's the branch? Well quickly at chapter 11 and verse number 1 we'll tell you and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The branch friend is the Lord Jesus Christ and he said there's coming a day when that branch is going to be lovely. Listen friend the last time you saw him you thought you had him they thought that they had him uh, the last time the world saw him his visage was so marred he didn't even look like a man the last time the world uh, saw him they said to themselves we won we won we sure showed him the last time the world saw him he was beaten the last time the world saw him he was battered the last time the world saw him he was bruised last time the world saw him he was bleeding but friend when they see him again he gonna be beautiful that's what your Bible says listen this time period uh, back then yes it was marked with the blood of Christ but the time to come in his day it'll be not marked not with the blood of Christ but with the blood of all the Christ rejectors his day is coming while we're in heaven worshiping the nail scarred feet of the Lord Jesus Christ this world's gonna be enduring hell on earth his day is coming they tormented Jesus and that torment that they tormented him will be suffered by all. You say, why do you guys get up and hoot and holler so much about soul winning? Talk about it all the time. Man, I tell you, I was at the altar this week. 
Lord, been impressing my heart for some reason. I want to see my church double in size between now and Christmas, you know. And, uh, and I'm thinking, all right, what can we do? We got to do mail outs. We got to go, you know, uh, we're going to do door hangers. We're going to do mailers. And we got, and then somebody the other day gave my church a brand new bus. Not brand new, but to us it's brand new. A bus. Yeah. And then on top of it, he gave us a 15 passenger van. And then listen to all this preaching this week, and I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, how are we going to double the size of this church? And then I thought, well, I have a bus, and I have a van. And does it really matter, the mode of transportation, how they get there? Do they have to ride in in a car? Can I pick up? Hey, those are still people too, friend. They have souls too. You say, why do you guys preach so much on this? Because his day's coming and the night cometh when no man can work. There's coming a day. Listen, I'm excited. I'm going to be with the Lord. Marriage supper of the Lamb. Biscuits and gravy for all, man. Uh, and cheese grits. And we're going to be there in heaven with the Lord. Wonderful day. But friend, there is also on that day that's the last chance I get to try to lead someone to Christ and listen I'm listening to Pastor Neil over here and if I'm listening to what he's telling me I believe it Lord's coming soon uh, he's coming soon and we have so little time the harvest will be over we have to preach this way it goes soul winning you say why do you preach against sin so much because he could come back today and I don't want to be ashamed at his appearing you see, the day of his jewels, the day of his justice. A young man came home early from military service I was reading about, and he didn't call ahead. He wanted to surprise his wife, so he didn't call ahead. And he got a surprise, all right. He came home and found her in the embrace of another, walked away. Friend, Lord says in the book of James, the adulterers, and adulteresses. Know you not that friendship with the world is at enmity with God. When God comes back, I don't want him to find me in the embrace of another. I want him to find me serving. I want him to find me still preaching and serving him. Why? Because the day of his justice. Now let me tell you this one, and I'll be done. Look at Matthew chapter number 7 with me. The day of judgment. The day of his judgment. You see, the day of his jewels, the day of his justice, he said to that devil, all right, all right, I'm going to bruise your head one day, Bubba. My days are coming. Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me, notice these words, in that day. In that day, there it is again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in, in thy name and cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and I'll profess unto them I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and, and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock and everyone that heareth the, uh, these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it, and, and, and it fell and great was the fall of it. Friend, the rock is Jesus Christ. Anything else is sinking sand. We sang it a moment ago, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. 
on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. After the thousand years rule and reign, it's going to be a resurrection of the dead. The dead, small and great, shall stand before God at what's called the great white throne judgment seat of God Almighty. And what you just saw was a glimpse of what that's going to look like. As they come there and they stand before God and, and they give their different reasons. Uh, and the question is, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my son? And all the answers, but Lord, I was a good person. And all these other things will mean nothing. They'll all hear the exact same thing. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew thee. The day of God's judgment is coming. The devil said, I got you. And the Lord said, today, one day, I'll have my day. Remember Satan at the beginning of the sermon? He thought he got God good. He got man to sin. He broke the heart of God. He condemned man to certain death, expelled from the very presence of God. But thank God, God had a plan. The Lord Jesus Christ was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Has it ever occurred to you nothing ever occurred to God? I heard some silly sermon someone's preached one time saying uh, about for Christ's sake. And in, and in it they said that, 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 that man sinned and God said, oh boy, what are we going to do? And he had to figure something out. And so he sent Jesus down there and he said, how did it go? And Jesus reported back to him and he said, he said well, uh, you know, it didn't go too well. They crucified me and God went, oh man, what are we going to do now? You know, all this stuff. And I'm thinking... How can people hear preaching like that and not get up and walk out, friend? Uh, uh, nothing. God didn't sit there going, oh, man, how are we going to remedy this? I never anticipated they would sin. No. When God created Adam and Eve, he knew that it meant sending Jesus to the cross. Uh, you say, how much does God love me? He loved you enough to create you, knowing it was sending his son to the cross of Calvary. Jesus is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, you see, Satan, he got man to sin. He broke the heart of God. But God had other plans. He said, listen, you can have Herod try and kill all the babies in effort to stop the Messiah from being born, but I will have my day. You can tempt my son in the wilderness, but I will have my day. You can tempt him in the Garden of Gethsemane, but I will have my day. You can try to destroy and pervert the word of God, but I will have my day. You can set up your antichrist, but I will have my day. I'm going to cast you into outer darkness forever. God's going to have his day. So you say, well, what does this mean to me? I say, friend, that's the God you serve. He's going to have his day. So you just, friend, you stay faithful. You keep on preaching on sin because his day's coming. You keep on running buses because his day's coming. You keep on teaching that Sunday school class because his day is coming. You keep on preaching out of that King James Bible because his day is coming. You keep on giving altar calls. I don't understand that. People stop giving altar calls. You keep giving altar calls because his day is coming. Friend, you keep singing those hymns because his day is coming. You keep living a separated life because his day is coming and friend it may be today let's be ready